Now chapter 9. Now the first covenant, in fact, had regulations for worship and its earthly sanctuary. For the tent was prepared and the outer one which contained the lampstand. So he says, look, the first tabernacle covenant was based on a room. And that room had regulations. You had to do things a certain way. Look, if you didn't wash your dishes in the right way, your sacrifice didn't count. All the dishes and the tools and the utensils had to be washed in a certain way. The priests had to be washed in a certain way. They had to wear their clothes in a certain way. Their clothes had to be made out of certain fabrics. Everything down to look. Like, if you're not a detailed person, it would drive you nuts. Because you're, you literally could not have access to God if you were not a detailed person. Right? And so the only way you could have access to God is that the really detailed people got it all right. And you extroverted people who are just da 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 and God bless you, but I'm not that. You would be totally screwed without detailed people in the Mosaic Covenant. Okay? Because there were so many details. And that's the point that he's making. You had to get every little thing right. Or the God would kick the high priest back out and say, Wait till next year. That's scary. For the first tent prepared the outer one, which contained the lampstand. So you walk in the tent, and the first thing you saw on the left was the lampstand. And the table of showbread was on the right. And we're not going to unpack all those things. Basically, the lampstand represented the creative light of God in seven days. The table of showbread represented the provision of God in the wilderness. And from there, the second curtain, there was a tent. And the tent was called the Holy of Holies. It contained the golden altar. Now, technically in Exodus, the golden altar was before you walked through the veil. So you walk in that first room. There's a lampstand, then the table of showbread, the altar of incense in front of you. Then you walk through the veil in the Ark of the Covenant. But the author of Hebrews says the altar of incense is actually inside the holy place. Now, the altar of incense represented your prayers going up into heaven. And so... Here's what it was. Technically, it was supposed to be in the Holy of Holies because the only way your prayer can go up to heaven is if it's taken up by God and God was in the Holy of Holies through the pillar of fire. But functionally, the altar of incense had to be restocked every day and the priest can only go in one time a year into the Holy of Holies, so it was in the holy place. So they stuck it right up against the curtain so that they knew it was really supposed to be in the Holy of Holies, but they didn't have access to it every single day so it's there. So he's talking about the function of the tabernacle, where Exodus is talking about the layout of the tabernacle. So the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies, where the golden urn containing the manna, which the manna represented the sins of the people, because they constantly rebelled and grumbled against God, and he had to provide them bread. Um, the Aaron's rod, which budded because the priesthood rebelled against God. And the stone tablets which were broken because of the golden calf. So it literally contained, this is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant contained all these things of sin. And so God couldn't come into your presence because when he looked down at the tabernacle, all he saw was your sin. So the high priest would come in with the blood of the Lamb and they would pour the blood of the Lamb over the Ark of the Covenant and God would see blood instead of your sins. And that's why he was able to be with you another year. But the blood of an animal would eventually die and disappear. So you would need another animal. But now your sins are covered. You're the Ark of the Covenant now. Because you are the covenant with God through Christ and the Holy Spirit. And your Ark sins have been covered with the blood of Christ, which never disappears. Above the Ark were the cherubim, angels, the glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Now, not, now is not the time to speak of these things in detail. 
So basically, I'm not going to go through all these details because all of you know the first covenant pretty well. That's what he's saying. So, with these things prepared like this, the priests enter continually into the outer tent as they perform their duties. But only the high priest enters once a year into the inner tent and not without the blood. He offers for himself, for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is making clear that the way into the holy place was not yet appeared as long as the old tabernacle was standing. This was a symbol for the time when the present, when the gifts and sacrifices were offered, that could not perfect the consciousness of the worshiper. They served only for matter of food and drink and various washings. There are external regulations imposed until the new order came. So this is his point. You walk into this tent. Now, once again, we need to keep this balance. This is the law good and beautiful and perfect because it comes from God? Yes. But the law is also useless and weak because it cannot save. So is the tabernacle amazing and beautiful and perfect for what God wants it to be? Yes, because it comes from God. But it is useless and weak and just a tent in the grand scheme of things. So you walk into this tent made out of goat skin, porpoise skin, ram skin, and linen. And on the left, you got this gold lampstand, which is supposed to represent the light of God. A little candle burning is not the glory of God. On the right, you've got bread, which is the provision of God. Bread is not exactly the provision of God that I think we so desperately need and want. You walk up to the altar of incense, and smoke going up to heaven is not really your prayers. I think we all want something a little bit better than just smoke. You walk through this veil... And you go to this gold box, which is supposed to represent God. I think we want something a little bit more than a gold box. And yes, the pillar of fire with no fuel source burning 24-7 for over a thousand years going from earth to heaven is really cool. But I think we much rather sit in the lap of God than stand before a burning flame. And you rather have that than Jesus? That's the point he's making. You walk in this tent with all these gold and bronze items and you have to jump through all these hoops and get all these little details right. And if you screw up just one little detail or your high priest just is not quite as sinless as he's supposed to be, then everything is lost. And in the end, when it's all said and done, when you've done all these regulations, when, you, when you've tied a rope to your ankle... Because if you don't get one little detail right, God's going to kill you and they have to pull your dead body out because they can't come and get your body until a year later. And that's it. And in the end of it all, all you still have is a pillar of fire in the tabernacle and God's anointing on the king and the priest and the prophet stays with you for another year. Not you. You still never, ever, ever, ever get to see those articles in the tabernacle. You never get to see the Ark of the Covenant. You only see the pillar of fire from a distance, and it's still closer than any other God has ever given you. It's still better than any other God has given you, but you still nothing really changes. And what it means is that, yeah, you get the protections because famine and plague and all this stuff isn't going to come on you. The judgment of God's not going to come on you. But that's not the same thing as actually coming home. And then... The tabernacle communicated two ideas. That's a huge amount of restrictions because of your sin. And now Jesus is here. See, all the tabernacle could do was it could clean you externally. It only paid for the sins of your ignorance. Did you catch that? 
it didn't cover any other sins. It only covered the sins that you... And look, there's so many things that we don't do and do that hurts God, and we don't even know it every day. And then all it did was cover those sins that I did not know about. On top of that, when you committed sins, you had to go make all these other sacrifices as a family. You know how many animals you had to kill? How many blood did you had to spill? How many hoops you had to jump in? How many things did you had to cleanse over and over and over again just to have God guide you? And this is the point he's making by going through these things. These are just external regulations. This is just the tent. This is just gold. This is just bronze. This is just fire. And it's cool and it's awesome and it's godly and it's perfect of what God meant them to be. They are. We have Jesus who is God and a very real, living, breathing human who is perfect who gets every little detail on a physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, and cosmic level right, perfectly, and makes the sacrifice for you to cover all sins so that every single one of us now can walk literally into the full presence of God Himself. And until that day comes, we can literally hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it literally gives us the power to become a new creature in Christ. Because the tabernacle could only cleanse you externally. But the, right here it says, but the Christ perfects you and cleanses your conscience, your inner being. This is why Jesus says, what good is it that you wash the external part of your tomb when on the inside you're dead and rotting, you Pharisees? This is what he meant by whitewashed tombs. You've perfectly purified and bleached the crap out of yourselves. But inside you're dead and you're rotting and you're evil. And this is the point that he's making here. Why do you want to go back to that? Why do you want to make that a substitute? And here's the thing. The law is beautiful and great, but if you make it a substitute for Christ, then, oh God, have mercy on your soul. That's the warning passages. If you go back and make these things a substitute for Christ, then God have mercy on your soul. If you go back to your works, if you go back to you trying to change yourself, that's not, that's the tabernacle all over again. And this is the point that he's making. Does that make sense? Questions? Yes. Actually, no. Here's one of the things that a lot of non-Christians like to throw us. The tabernacle looks a lot like a bunch of other tabernacles in other nations with pagan gods. So in some ways, they're kind of... It's the same, because they, they, a lot of people had two rooms in their tabernacle. One room was priest, and the other one was high priest. But here's the differences. Okay, similarities. Okay, good question. Similarities. A lot of people had temples that were divided into rooms. Sometimes the temples went up like a ziggurat from the Mayans and stuff where you have the rooms are leveled and the top room is the Holy of Holies. Sometimes if they were poor tribal people like the Midianites, they actually had a tent, just like the Jews, and they were divided into two sections. 
only the priests were allowed in both sections, just like the, the, the God's thing, God's law. But the difference was this. First, a lot of those temples or tabernacles were far removed from the nations. So you would have all the people living here, and the tabernacle or temple would be like way out in the distance, completely cut off from man. And, or they would be high up on a mountain, like a, a Tibetan monastery kind of a thing. Um, or it would be a ziggurat, really piled up, or the, 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 the pyramids we now know are actually temples, not tombs. Or, so they would be up, they would be far removed. Where with God, he literally brought his tabernacle and he put it right in the people, right in their midst, right level with them, and he told them to get as close to the tent as they possibly can. And so where the other nations were communicating that only the elite can even go to the tabernacle and see God, even though only the priests have access to the tabernacle with God's system, everybody can see it, and everybody can see the pillar of fire at least. And everybody can get as close to it as they possibly can. And what's interesting is the way that God organized them around, He told them, I think I mentioned this before, He put three tribes on each side, and on the eastern side, the tribe was the longest. And if you look down at the tabernacle from an overhead view, it looked like a cross. And Israel was the cross. And the tabernacle was in the center. And Jesus comes along and says, I am the temple. Which means we are the cross and he's the tabernacle. And we're crucifying him for our sins. And so that's the cool picture that's painted there. The other difference is obviously some of the articles in the temple would have been different. Because their lampstand, their bread, and the ark is communicating different things. The other difference is they didn't have a really cool pillar of fire that burned without a fuel source 24-7 for over a thousand years. Okay, That would have testified that our God is more real than their God. But the other big difference is this. is That was not God's original intention. When he brings them out of Egypt and brings them to Mount Sinai, the first thing he says to them, I mean, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 is directly quoting Exodus chapter 19, where God says, I will make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and a special possession. And he invites them all to Mount Sinai and says, come and join me. And he basically says, you're all going to be priests. Unlike all the other nations, you all get to be priests. You're all going to go into the Holy of Holies. Every single year, you're all going to have access. You all will have direct access to the tabernacle any, every single day. But the whole nation unified together and basically refused to go to Mount Sinai and they turned around and worshipped a golden calf. And God said, you lost the right. And the only tribe that did not do that was Levi. And, and there's a lot of cool things that are going on with Levi, too, because Levi, before that, was cursed by God. But because they chose to side with God, their curse was redeemed and undone. And so, once again, they all had access to the tabernacle, unlike any other nation in the world. Because every other nation was elitist. They were tribal. Only the tribes had access. And God said, you're not going to be like that. You're all going to have access. But... The tabernacle didn't fail to give them access. Their sin failed. And so that's another way. It's like the Mosaic Law didn't fail. It's that their inability to obey the law failed. The tabernacle didn't fail to give them access to God. It was their inability to obey. And so that's another picture he's painting here. Is like, yes, in some ways it was like the other nations, but it was so drastically different in other ways. 
The problem is, as Israel lived longer and longer, it began to look like all the other nations because of their sin. And it's kind of like the church. Some parts of the church look drastically different than the world. And in some ways, we're the same. We go to work, we have families, we dress the same way and all that kind of stuff. But in the way that we love, in the way that we forgive, in the way that we have joy and peace, we're so drastically different than the world. But there's other parts of the world that don't look anything, or other parts of the church that don't look any different than the world. And so I think that's the point, is that the, the tabernacle was going to look different. But as the years went by, they didn't look different anymore. And that was because they failed, not the tabernacle law. Does that help answer the question?